Hey everybody, it's another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Ara. And we have been and we have been um awake on a combined sleep of um eight hours because I slept but you didn't. Yeah, that's pretty much that's how it went and why why I was worried about how this recording would go, but I'm feeling really energized right now. I don't I don't know why. Maybe well, just like we gotta do a show. And yeah, that, that's, that's that makes good. me awake. And the best part is gonna be that later on Alan will start saying crazy things and or fall asleep. It'll we can't tell which direction yeah, it's going. Yeah, I don't go. think I'm going to fall asleep. This is one of those times where, you know, when you stay awake, like, for a really, really long time, that instead of getting sleepy, you get, like, jittery? Yeah, kind of like um, crack cocaine. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know, but maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't know either. I've just heard yeah, some things. Maybe but... it's like crack cocaine. Okay. Um, well, you know what else is like crack cocaine? Uh, several things. Go ahead. It's, it's true, and I'm going to um, ruthlessly exploit uh, those to create this incredibly unsmooth segue. All right, so by, by just asserting as such and then continuing like normal and pretending that's a legitimate segue. Okay, so I want to tell you, Alon, and everybody else listening, a story about a game and an interesting situation that I found myself in. And I'm not going to tell you what the name of the game is because it doesn't matter. Maybe at the end I'll say what it's about. But it's the situation that's important here. And here's what happened. Let's say you're a fan of a game, okay? I am. I am. And uh, this is a game that is like one of those, you know, every once in a while it gets a sequel games. Or maybe every year, you know, it gets a new version. And the previous version that had come out was a lot of fun. And then a new version comes out of the same type of game, right? Same developer, etc. Same one in the series, in other words. And this new version has, you know, all kinds of advertised features. And is, by all accounts, not only of what they're saying about it, but also... By all accounts, when you see how stuff is implemented, right, it's just – it's better all around. But there's a problem. And the problem is is that the game isn't as stable as the last version. And that problem makes the whole situation very interesting because you have a new product that if you discount – the fact that it's less stable, it's better than the old one in all aspects, or at least in the majority of aspects. But the fact that it's not really stable kind of kills your enjoyment of the game. In other words, it crashes a lot, there's these really bizarre bugs that even when the bugs aren't crashes, they definitely materially impact your enjoyment of the game. It's like, I mean, it's wigging out on you when it's not supposed to. Uh, things, are, things are breaking, and it's, it's weird because you don't, you don't know which is better. You know what I'm saying? Um. Because the old one was not as shiny, it was not as sexy, but... It worked real good. And this new one is shinier and sexier. But um, what was the analogy I heard once? Uh, remember remember Angelina Jolie? I do. Uh, remember Tommy Lee, what's his name? Jones? Yeah, two people who I'm pretty sure don't hang out. Uh, no, I think they do hang out. Anyway, um, you know what? I'm getting out of my depth here with that business. Uh, let me just say that I heard once that somebody who uh, had the authority to make such a comment commented that uh, Angela jo- Jolie in bed was kind of like um, the experience was like being with a couch. <laughs> okay. Okay. And the analogy I'm going for here is that she is shinier and sexier, but operationally than than most people. But 
operationally, maybe there's something lacking there. And this puts you into a really weird decision, doesn't it? About what to spend your time with and is it really worth spending your time with something that looks better if it doesn't play as well? Yeah, I wonder if you can, if we could come up with multiple examples of this scenario. Well, I feel like, uh, yeah, that there are, that there is this kind of thing. This kind of thing happens all the time. Now, there's one more detail I want to insert here because it gets worse or better depending on your perspective. And the way that it gets worse is that the company who made this game updates the game a lot, but the way that they update the game is done in such a way that, okay, well, they'll fix some things and then other things break. And some things are fixed, but they're minor things, so the main things don't really seem to be addressed and so on and so forth. And what appears to be happening is that what you're getting a lot of are the things you don't care about as a gamer that would uh, make the experience more stable. In other words, they're giving you more stuff and it's exciting stuff. But it's all kind of soured because the core of the product itself is still not stable. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty classic analogy for a lot of things in today's world. You know, like cars with tons of features that just yeah. don't drive properly. But this is this is like – now I feel like this starts getting into uh, some kind of psychological tactic because – I can't say for sure this is what's happening. But certainly uh, there is the opportunity for – the developer to basically, and I see this happening in forums, to sufficiently distract the populace from the problems they're really worried about by giving them the you know uh, intellectual equivalent of candy to satiate them so that they don't focus on the stuff that they actually really care about. That's a problem. How's that for generalized? Uh, well, it's very... Very certainly. Um, I mean, say, say you're thinking they basically they're doing it intentionally. What, what's weird is that if you have a previous one that works well, I don't know why the next in the series wouldn't have that same foundation. And you know, I was talking about this with with a friend of mine while playing yeah. Titanfall. Well, I, th- I think it's just code base complexity. I just, but I mean, especially when you're it's, dealing with a sequel, you, you're building on it and i think a a more a more perfect example um or a a very perfect example of this is is what i was talking about while playing titanfall with a friend and you know he brought up the point because every game these days right it's not not just titanfall but like every game that has these matchmaking lobbies it's such a headache to get a game started um and we think back and we're like you know what well isn't isn't that the truth but that's like that's like par for the course. Like the example I'm talking about has even more problems. But no, keep but, going. But think about this. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't think you'll be able to relate. I don't think you played Halo Two, but Halo Two on Xbox Live had essentially the perfect matchmaking system. No, I actually did uh, play. Maybe not number two, but one of them. And um, I have played some multiplayer online games that uh, had. Uh, incredibly seamless and also like not like you don't wait around for to get good matches you get them good good matches pretty easily yeah well the point we were we were discussing was that halo 2 had it right and that was many years ago i mean we're talking 10 years ago and we can't understand why new games come out that don't just use that code Right. Like, why doesn't Microsoft just say here? In fact, they probably did. They probably offered it up. Be like, here, just just use this. It is a standard for Xbox Live. Um, go ahead. Well, I think games are too different for that to be generalizable enough for it to be useful. Well, when you're talking about a game like Halo Two versus Titanfall, I think the games are not that different. Well, no, but I'm, that's what I'm saying is that even though they can look the same uh, architecturally, they can actually be vastly different. Maybe. In the end, it's just putting a bunch of people in a room together. That's all you're doing. Yeah, but tr- trust me, just take my word for it. Without me even understanding anything about network code, uh, I can tell you 
with pretty good confidence that uh, any given network, any given two random network games, especially those two, like um, never mind like the network code. There's enough different about them. Uh, like you don't know. Like there, there's millions of ways to structure data. There's millions of ways to implement things. They probably do a lot of crazy custom things because you know this is the pinnacle of uh, software programming in many ways, and these are the pinnacle products in this domain. So I'm not. I'm not surprised at all that this is happening. This is what I think would be happening once games get bigger and bigger and complex enough to a point. Yeah, I mean, I see your point, but at the same time, there are just some basic basic ways for how it works and it or how it doesn't work. And it's not I mean, it is not by any means the uh, the poster child for bad network management. But um we just we always wonder we look back and we think it was so good before um why why can't yeah, well it let me this? let me put it this Especially way right 10 more years to think about it let me put it this way right i mean game making is truly an art and a craft in the sense that not everybody can do it as well as everybody else so just like any other art or craft well, every once in a while there's a bunch of people or there's a few people who can do that certain thing really, really well. And you don't get those all the time. Like, just because somebody figured out how to do it great doesn't mean that it's necessarily repeatable. And so I think that that's what we're observing here. I I think it gets very easy to assume that uh, such things are repeatable when I think that they're far less so. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I really get the feeling that it is. But obviously, something's getting in the way. Anyway, it is break time, sir. So let's do that. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So, um, I want to mention our Facebook page before we get back back into that topic. Slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. We haven't been seeing a bunch of activity there lately, but I think with E3 pumping up, there there should be a lot for us to uh, to be discussing on there and for other people to bring bring to the table too. So, don't hesitate to do that. Also, feel free to email if that's that's your thing like if you still use that method of communication um all right so i think there was a little bit more we wanted we wanted to go over with this uh, vague ish topic am i right yeah so you you asked me if i thought they were doing this on purpose and i want to talk a little bit about that and and this being right one one gets the idea that the developer can't solve the actual problem and so they could do a lot of really effective PR by just completely sidestepping the problem and giving people a whole bunch of free content. And the funny thing that happens on forums, it's a really interesting social dynamic, is that so a lot of people get the position, hey, stop complaining, they're giving you all this free stuff. And that attitude generally gets to be accepted because most of the people on the forum don't really have uh, that deep an intellect to figure out, like, why that has nothing to do with anything. And so what happens is that 
it turns out, yeah, like for PR purposes, uh, the people who are complaining end up looking like unreasonable complainers because we're getting all this stuff for free. But at the same time, one still finds themselves in the situation where it's like, you know what? This is this is why I got to this point, right? This is why I realized all this stuff is because it dawned on me one day. I was like, you know, I actually had more fun playing the last game than this game because it was more stable online. And that just that very aspect had a cascading effect, right? Like online is less stable, so less people go online. Online doesn't have as many features as it used to, so less people go online. Online's a huge mess in this game now. And that is the only reason to play it long term because the regular game you can finish it. You can make short work of it, let's just say that. Um, And so it's not... Like, one feels like, in one respect, maybe they're just unreasonably complaining, but on the other respect, you feel like you're – it's kind of like a trick. So I don't know if they're doing it for on purpose or not, but if you if you wanted to be sinister, I think that there's an opportunity for games for, to, to modulate their popularity in this way. I, isn't there a general goal to be as popular as possible? Well, yeah, and it's um, – but, right, it's like how how do you do it, right? And it just seems kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, uncool. That's not the best word to use right there. But it seems uncool of them to not address the underlying issues and just pile up more stuff on top of these underlying problems. And – you, you really get the feeling like, you know what, like their code base, like they just can't figure it out. There's just too many bugs. It's too subtle because every time there's a release comes out, uh, some things get fixed. Other things break. Uh, there is got to be something horribly wrong with your code base. If yeah, it's probably some spaghetti monster. New things break. Every time you actually publish a release and you and you probably know about them, but you decide, you know what, we're going to just live with it because that's all we can do right now. I do, I do find that pretty insightful, right? Like if they're constantly breaking stuff when trying to fix it, it's, you're right. It's got to be a mess, a mess with code. And it, I think it was clear that they rushed this. Like everyone was surprised that it came out as early as it did. Um, yeah, <clears> but that was last November, you see. And now when is it? Now it's like mid-May. Oh yeah, but I mean, coming they're up still on in the a end crunch. of May. Putting the game out, especially buggy, forced them to work quickly, right? Because they've got to get bug fixes out periodically. Supposedly, yeah. I mean, even though they're they don't necessarily do that, but they um, they've been building all this content too at the same time. You see, and I mean, yeah. it's not necessarily the same resources that are building the content. They're trying to fix their code, but holy smokes, I've just I've never seen like the depths like this in game dynamics before and i never thought i would yeah well you know you'll pull through yeah sure well if it's not obvious by now i've been talking about gran turismo yeah i think for for our people who've been around a long time they probably got it yeah i kind of gave it away at the beginning because i said i was playing it and everybody knows that's the only game i ever play anyway so (laughs) pretty much they're like it's got to be this or puzzle and dragons so, uh, I mean, are we ready to move on past that now? Yeah, I'm ready to move on. Okay, so I, I want to mention, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I feel good. This is something that happened this week. So I've, I've been talking about every week. Okay, it must not sports. be a lawsuit if you're feeling good about it. No, 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 no. So I've been talking about sports friends a lot, right? And I finally um, went through the, the little online maze you need to get through in order to get the download code if you were a Kickstarter backer and, um, and downloaded the game to my PS4, which is, it's because I'm too lazy to get my PS3 out of a box and plug that in, but yeah. I only have one controller for the PS4, which makes it the wrong system to be playing Sports Friends on, since Sports Friend was designed from the get-go as a, as a uh, multiplayer, a local multiplayer game. So I only have one controller. But uh, I'm, 
you know, skirting around the option screen, stuff like that. That are just all the different parts of the game without actually playing the game. And I had totally forgotten this, but the backers, at least at a certain level, got their name in the game. And so I went hunting. I went hunting for my name. Uh, and I found it. And I've always, I mean, for years, I've always wanted to be in a video game, but not like, I mean, I could make my own game and put me in it. Like, I want to be. Oh, is this your, this is your first video game credit, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. The thing is, I had nothing to do with this game. So it, I feel like I'm cheating myself. Yeah. Well, don't tell anyone else that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like they put me down there as an executive producer or anything. Just a Kickstarter. Um, but part of me feels good. Like, okay, I have, I have my mark somewhere in the tiny little footnote of gaming. There's something that people I don't know might play and I'm there in the credits. Um, and then side note, I feel stupid for not submitting a photo because they had asked a few months ago for photos of people playing joust and that they might put them in the game. And then only four people, like there were something like 4,000 people in the credits with me, but only four people submitted photos or at least had their photos put in the game. So I suspect that was just very few people submitted. Yeah. Why didn't you do that? Because you got to like get the game out and take the pictures. And I, I just seemed like too much of a task. Or maybe I, I told myself I'd do it. And then, you know, you forget a couple of days later. And then yeah. Deadline. That's probably why four people didn't forget. Yeah. Right. So that was stupid. But but what I'm trying to say is I've felt for a long time like I, I would just love to be in, in a game somehow. You know, whether it's my my image digitized into a game or somehow be a part of it. And, and this, it kind of fulfills that. But as soon as it does, it goes away. And I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't do anything with this game. It really wasn't anything special. But you, on the other hand, like you've been straight up involved and key in the development of, of various games that people actually buy and play. Um, Some and people have bought. <laughs> yeah. So I what was your very, your very first credit? Was it Red Star? Um, yeah, it was, which was, it was actually funny because I did a solo project before I got hired by Acclaim to work on the Red Star and that was actually this that solo project was actually what led me to get hired directly um so that was a very fortuitous series of events there but the funny thing is is that i never i i was i was not deliberately vague on my resume about what uh my solo project was but it was a little vague and the funny thing is that I got the impression after the fact that some people, like people involved in hiring me, had gotten the impression that that was actually some kind of uh, finished or published product when it was a no such thing. <laughs> um, I think that I might have used the words independently published, so... Maybe that, but that's what it was, you know. I mean, it was it was a mod for a game. I released it myself, you know. I made it available, I in certain locations, and you know, you you do that's. I mean, I released it to the world, and maybe twenty people played it, and you know, that's that's what I call publishing. I mean, that's it, there wasn't any ill intent behind it, but that's what I did. And anyway, I think that p- the reason why people People thought that it was a little more than what it was just by virtue of that. Because if I said, right, like, made a level for... I mean, I actually said it was for Unreal Tournament 2003, so I don't know. So I guess I think people were stupid to be to think that it was a published game. But some people thought it was, and I was wondering if maybe that had also helped me uh, get that job that I did. But That's I'm fascinating rambling. to me. You, you had never told me that part before. No, I just thought of it right this second. Oh. I mean, I well, thought about it before, you know, because I'm remembering the past, but... So yeah. basically, you skirted your whole way into the industry. No, it's, it's not. It's all a lie. No, it's not like that. It was just it was just funny to me that I think... What was it? I think maybe one of the HR people who are not really involved, like, they don't know a lot about games, so they would be easily misled 
or uh, be unsure or they would just assume that every credit, everything you put in your resume is a published game. But I never said it was, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just a map. I think I did say it was a level map. Anyway. All right. Well, I, I might have another question or two after we get back from the break. But, yeah, let's but keep we are going to break. So we'll be, we'll be right back. And I was, I was just talking about how I now technically have a credit in a game, even though I had nothing to do with it. And it kind of makes me feel good, and then makes me realize that I haven't ever had a credit in a game. And then, hey, um, I, I got to correct myself before we continue. Okay. Um, and then I went into this long thing, uh, recalling a distant memory. And you know what they say happens all the time when you recall memories? That you create them? Yes. And I totally made up a lot of that stuff. I actually never said I published anything. My what? first thing I ever did, because um, I found my resume, and I said I independently designed and implemented a level design project using the Unreal Warfare engine. I think what I what I did do is I I called myself a level designer, and I called that my title, and you know I had this project that I called a Polyon's Tier project, and that was the project. And that somehow led somebody to think that it was uh, way more legit than it was. So um, extra bonus points for uh, getting the benefits of deception without actually deceiving. So did they recruit you or did you look for them? They – one of their HR people actually found my web page because I had set up my web page basically as like an online resume Mm-hmm. Uh, showing uh, so that I could have, like, screenshots and stuff, right? I guess they're calling it a portfolio. Um, yeah. So they found it, and then they passed it on to the team, and then even though the game has nothing to do with first-person shooters, um, you know, the team who interviewed me, we gelled super well, and, uh, you know, it was all over from that point on. And that was the, the team developing the Red Star? Yep, yep. Okay, so that was actually the first thing you worked on, but that's not the first thing you were credited with because that game didn't come out for years, right? Yeah, and that's what that was actually so, what was so horrible about it was that um, credits, published title credits are very important in this industry because, unfortunately, that is one of the primary metrics by which your me- experience is measured. Uh, and it shouldn't be... Um, because it's shorthand, and as you know, shorthands have flaws by virtue of being shorthands. Um, so it shouldn't be, but it is. And yeah, it really sucked for me because I spend a year working on a game and then the company goes bankrupt and the game is done, but it doesn't get published. So effectively to a lot of other possible employers, uh, you who have one, you who is me, who have one year of experience in the professional circuit, uh, look like you have none, right? So I was like back to square one for me. Well, I mean, I now have a credit in what has been, you know, critically acclaimed. Everyone seems to love this game. And I, you know, I feel like maybe I could walk into a studio and say, yeah, you know, I was, I was involved in the in the development of this sports friends title that everyone everyone loves, you know, maybe an HR person would find me through that. They through might, the but but then they'll start asking you what you did on the game, and then <laughs> you'd have to tell them the truth. Okay, yeah, I guess there's it's bound to get me in the end. But um, like, did did it feel good for you when when the first game came out? That like, did, did you want to have a copy and show your friends or show your well, parents? Well, yeah. I, well, not only I bought twenty copies because we finished it at the end of '04, 
but it actually didn't come out until 07. And um, that was fan. I bought 20 copies, and I was peddling them myself. I was selling them at cost to anybody that I could sell it to. And I sold them all except for two copies, and I wanted to keep the last two. Yeah. That's good. Well, I guess yeah, you, you showed the game some success. And one to keep closed. I bet I bet your purchase of 20 copies probably represented, like, a significant portion of actual sales. No, I bet they probably sold a few 10,000 over lifetime. You think? At least. I mean, it's not hard to... I mean, if you're hitting under 10... If you're getting under 100K for regular console game for lifetime, that's not very good. Well, that's that's for sure. I was expecting not very good. <laughs> So right. I think that I think that you know, for a niche game that got the niche press that it did, I'm probably expecting somewhere maybe fixed. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm thinking beyond that though. I mean, you have you have credits in Cars, right? Which was in whenever that came out was like the most popular game or the second most popular game of the year or whatever. So, I mean, you're you're a, a major part of a major release, and that's I don't know. Yeah, I just, and like, I, I don't, and I don't I hold have those that things. obviously. Like gold because they are like gold. Yeah. So, so I'm going to change gears a bit here because that that topic I think is getting a little little boring at this point. Um, or at least I'm making way too much of it. Even though I really am still excited that I'm in the game. I'm um, already on the next topic. Yeah. So, have you been reading about how Amplitude is being remade and through Kickstarter and how it's. I don't know. Like people are making a really big deal ab- about this. Do you know what Amplitude is or yeah, was? Yeah, I I feel like I'm missing something about this news because I'll just say it in a nutshell. Amplitude was always the uh, Mickey Mouse compromised rhythm game that you had no choice to play if you didn't have a legitimate rhythm game with its own custom controller. Yeah, basically, That's what I think of Amplitude. it just wasn't. I mean, it was all right, but it wasn't amazing. It was what you had to work with. Um, if you all you had to work with was the standard PlayStation controller. Yeah, and furthermore, like the people involved with the game, it's Harmonix, and Harmonix has made so much money, like hand over fist. Hey, money. hey, you know what? They did. They didn't make all this money. By <laughs> making a whole bunch of... By wasting it? But <laughs> like, amplitude clones. <laughs> so they're saying or, or we're going to bring back this either official or unofficial successor to a game that really was not that amazing to begin with. And even though we have tons of cash, we're going to go to Kickstarter. And it's like it's got to just be a question of... Of interest, like it, just a, a way to gauge the the audience and get some initial hype for it, rather Maybe. than actually getting the money. Because then, what if, what if it's like this? Uh, they don't think that it'll make any money, but fans are clamoring for it. Uh, they don't want to put their own money in it because they don't think it'll make any. So that will be a waste. So why not see if the fans will the fans the fans will pay for it? Well, I mean, do you really think you could make that whole game for three quarters of a million dollars? Um, well, yes, I could make it for that much money. (laughs) I guess, um, you could, it's it's actually, it's actually not a very hard game to make, um, because it doesn't require a whole lot of resources and doesn't require actually a whole lot of complexity. And they already know the whole procedure because they've had, they've had those, they've done those pipelines before in production. So it's actually easier for them to do it than almost any other developer anyway, because they've done it before. Um, so I don't know. Still, it's weird to me. It's weird. And like at the very end when it was about to, to fail, you know, some people went in there and gave ridiculous amounts of money just to push it over the top. So like clearly they know people with lots of money. Um, and it's just... It's just weird to me. I don't know why people are so excited about this game. Like I said, I liked it, but it wasn't wasn't amazing. I want to meet who these diehard fans are because I want to ask them questions like, have you played 
any other be my any other rhythm game and I don't even know that I I put Amplitude down as a rhythm game. It's of course it's a rhythm game. What else would it be? It, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't feel like that to me. I mean, it's it's musical. Yeah, but it has that like silly track switching thing, which I always thought was a detractor rather than uh, an editor. Yeah. Well, so you could see both you and I are not terribly impressed by it. So I'm just I'm confused by by all of this. If somebody out there, if one of our listeners is like a huge fan or just gets it in a way that that we don't you know please feel free post well, on our page well here's another thing you know i mean they always say you ever seen the producers i haven't but i i know you've brought it up before yeah well what they say is never put your own money in the show yeah so well, they're smart there's it look as long as the kickstarter works which i guess it did although i guess it's unsure if that was really forced or not um so now that you said that i don't know how legit it is but if other people want to pay for it then it's only the savvy business person who you know lets other people pay for it because that's what they want yeah but clearly they didn't put a a high enough ticket price on there because their friend had to come in and put a bunch of money in meanwhile if they just given the money straight they wouldn't have lost 10 percent. so how much did they um how much did they get funded for total? Uh, if I remember correctly, it's somewhere around seven hundred fifty thousand. Uh, seven hundred seventy-five thousand hmm. was the goal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's totally. I think that's totally doable. I think that you can do an amplitude game for, you know, seven tenths of a million. Sure. I mean, I don't think you're going to make that game in less than a year. It's probably going to take no, about no. a year. You'll take a year, and you'll have your team of maybe, uh, you know, five what? to eight people. And That's what it's to say. Like, maybe nine people? Maybe? Yeah, it's up to just about 800,000. Yeah. So, I mean, those numbers those numbers make sense. Ah, well. As much as the game doesn't. <laughs> I never knew that the... the uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't get it. I never knew that they had such a fan base, but I guess they do. Maybe there's something new I, about this game. I feel game like I enjoyed Frequency more getting. than I enjoyed Amplitude. Oh. Is that crazy? Um, well, one, you mean Frequency's the one before it, yeah. isn't it? That's the original. There might have even been an yeah, Amplitude well, 2. I can't remember. I feel like there were three games total. Hmm. But. It's possible. I don't remember. Anyway. But either way, all of them to me are um, just. They're just compromises for the lack of a proper mechanical interface. Well, I guess that's why they, they played with guitars after that. Anyway, yep. it's, uh, it's break time. So we're going to go. One more minute. We'll be right back. We're back for the last time this week. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So, so what do we have left? This is let's start like a, fr- a fresh palette. We got a good 10, 12 minutes. Well, there's there's nothing like something totally random for a totally fresh palette. I just thought of a little piece of trivia. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with this, Alon, because. You probably haven't played the Epic Mickey games very much. That's true. But all the Epic Mickey games have this currency called e-tickets. Really? Yeah. But but no microtransactions in these games. Well, no, no, no. Like, the, the name of the currency is e-tickets. Yeah. Like, shekels. Okay. Get it? So I the know. stuff you collect in the game are e-tickets. And I I always, I never knew what it meant, right? But just like probably most all of you guys who have played any of those games, I thought that E was probably like, you know, it's like the stupid I thing with Apple. Yeah. It's like electronic or E something, right? Right, right, right? I I mean, I'd buy that, sure. Wrong. It's completely wrong. That has nothing to do with it. So check this out. This is something you learned while working on a Disney game? 
No, I did not learn this actually while working on a Disney game. I just learned this uh, a couple days ago. Ironically, you worked on a Mickey Mouse Disney game. Yes. Did your and game have e-tickets in it? Yeah, we had e-tickets, and we never knew what it was, and they never told us. And we always and I just I just assumed what I just assumed, right? And I never asked about it anyway because it seemed obvious. But I just learned through a completely independent source the history of this terminology. It actually is a reference to how Disneyland originally was set up way back in the 50s. When Disneyland first came out, you had a, you bought a book of tickets for rides and the rides were classified like A, B, C. And eventually they had these E rides, right? And so in order to ride an E ride, you needed an E ticket, right? E coming after D coming after C. Yeah. So the E tickets were the ones that granted you access to the best rides at Disneyland. Gotcha. Okay. They don't do that anymore, though, right? It's well, just no, they haven't been doing that for decades. Now open it's, season. Yeah. Well, now it's open season as long as you have $96 to your name. Oh, my God. Yep, that's right. It's 96 bucks to get in. $96 to wait in lines all day? Oh, yes. Fantastic, I know. Wow. Okay, well, I won't be going to Disney World anytime soon. Apparently, they've been raising the price by 4% every year. So, you know, they're managing to keep a healthy pace above inflation. Wow. You know, we actually, we have neighbors who think it's really important that we watch some Disney movies, like Ratatouille is at the top of that list. So now we have some DVDs sitting around here that supposedly we need to watch for some reason, like in preparation for having a child, I guess. But like... We're going to be those parents, those annoying parents who do everything we can to make sure Disney is not introduced to our child. Oh, yeah, because I thought they wanted to show you, like, uh, like some anti-Semitic propaganda about Jews. No. No, but I guess it's not, it's not that far off, right? Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. Like, if it'll be grandma that will ruin it and, like, <laughs> buy, buy the kids some princess doll or something. I guess it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. Just my kid will probably have a princess doll. Um, so I, I don't know. We're, we're fearful of what, what will happen, but we're going to try to keep Disney away. But for some reason, apparently these are amazing movies. So, I mean, I wouldn't be too opposed to introducing the kid to, to the Epic Mickey games. I mean, not, not the Epic Mickey games, the, the previous ones, the castle uh, of illusion. Yeah. The, the like, do the you refer ones. them the of Mickey games? That's basically what I can call them. Yeah. Castle of Illusion and Power of Illusion and whatever. Or was yours Power of Illusion? Yeah, you're giving me, like, way too much credit by mentioning in the same breath, but uh, I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> okay. Right on. So, what, what do we, we want to do? We got, we got a few minutes here. There's a pot game. There's ZeniMax. Uh, yeah, dude, well, ZeniMax is the most timely thing, so... I, yeah, I feel like we should mention it, but here's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't have much to say that's that's actually like interesting for the audience but i hey audience we talked about it before zenimax really is stepping forward and suing oculus but wow have they have they become specific and i guess that's what people were complaining about before that they weren't really explaining what what oculus did wrong and so now i'm taking the point of view that and and i know we haven't got into details yet but like Let's say that everything ZeniMax is saying is totally true. Well, they're actually suing. It's not just puffery anymore. Yeah. But but I mean, like, let's say all of their claims that at least what I read in the article, and which was lengthy, um, let's say everything they're saying is true, then the way they were handling it before was actually pretty classy. I was like, hey, you know, FYI, we're, we're Wait, not cool was with it, this. Was it classy? I mean... Because- because they, I challenge the classiness of starting to file a complaint for real only when now there's real money involved. Doesn't that kind of hurt their case? Well, okay. I mean, I hear you a bit. But it feels like they sort of shot – they threw a warning shot out there and Oculus was like, Psh, screw you guys. We don't know what you're talking about. And now they have, they have become 
very, very specific. Like at this time he said this, and at this time his stuff wasn't ready and wasn't useful. And then Carmack came in and then some other people helped out. And then we asked for actual equity and he was like, screw off. You guys suck. But like he straight up says, Oculus wouldn't exist without, without Zenimax. And at this specific period in time, we assisted with this and with this. And it's, I mean, they didn't get that specific, um, but they got pretty specific. And that, I don't know. Well, I just, what do you make of all this? I mean, do you think that this is legit now? Because I still have my suspicions. I mean, I don't... There were parts in there where they quoted Palmer, and I suspect they don't quote without an email that they have, you know, acquired. Right. So, uh, if that's the case, then... I mean, that's... They kind of got him, got him by the balls there. Well... Let me tell. Let me ask you this, because you have an inside line um, into uh, the lawyery um, without having to take any of the responsibility for it. Do you do you think it hurts somebody's case materially if they only they if the timing of the complaint is such that you know of what it is like we're experiencing with this case right now? Uh, legally, no, I don't, I don't think it does. I mean, I'm no lawyer. I I mean, do you think the other side can use that as a defense? Like, no, only if there's a jury to sway, I think you might, it might help convince a jury that they were just, because I saw the docket and they were demanding a jury trial. That's okay. But still, I mean, how long has Oculus been around? How long does it take to, to start a lawsuit? Um, I, I mean, it, it does seem like convenient timing happening only a couple of weeks after Facebook bought them. But yeah. at the same time, it, it could be that they were going to do it a year later and they were still getting all their ducks in a row. And now they just sped it up. Yeah, um, I guess I guess there's knows. enough plausible deniability, huh? I mean, it's not like, you know, two years after the Well, is it? <laughs> OK, it, it scratch that. Kind of is. <laughs> yeah. So. It's weird. We're doing this totally backwards. Uh, so Zenimax is mad at Oculus, and now they got super specific, and you can read the info about it online in various places. That is just, it's very, very descriptive and apparently very long and very detailed about how they were absolutely integral in what has become the, the current you know, version of, of Oculus. It, basically, they threw down the gauntlet and... It looks it looks pretty serious, so I am curious to see what happens. And I mean, there was stuff very specific, like in the Kickstarter video, they were showing off our, you know, our our game, like Doom Three BFG Edition, and we never said that they could use that. And yeah. he went so far as to promise that game to backers, and there there was never an agreement there for him to be giving out our copyrighted stuff, and like that. That seems pretty objective to me. Like you don't screw around with that. It either happened or it well, didn't sure, happen. Well, sure, but but I think maybe uh, they could be right about like one or two issues like that, right? And still not be uh, legitimately claiming, you know, their stake on the whole thing wholesale. Um, yeah, it's like I, okay, so they showed their game, right? Okay, so like, okay, what's the damages of that, right? Well, none. That's my point. I just get the impression that Palmer was basically like, no, these guys are full of it. And it was just very binary in my head. Mm. And now now it seems way more gray. Oculus is definitely taking and remains steadfast in their binary position about it. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. But I don't I, I don't believe them. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't believe them anymore. This is so I'm so surprised. This is so juicy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know that Carmack. Going. You know that Carmack has been getting offers left and right to talk about it, and he's obviously not giving any interviews. Yeah, well, I think he also feels like he got too involved to begin with. Yeah, I wonder. I guess we'll never really know the truth. This is like one of those things that there's no way for any of us outside of an insider to know what actually happened. Also, independent of whatever the result is of this. 
Yeah, well, part of it, too, is that you don't think you're doing anything wrong. Somebody else thinks you're doing something wrong, and then they take you to court, and the judge decides if you were doing something wrong. Right. That that happens plenty. And right? you still may or may not have been doing anything wrong. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're up against it. We've only got only got like a minute left. Um, <clears throat> I've covered I've covered pretty much everything. We this pot game, like I alluded to it a minute ago, um, don't have too much to say about it except. I mean, Apple pulled it off. That, does that surprise you in any way? It's well. The, the funny thing is, is that Apple is not like saying like this is banned and we can never be. They're saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna work we're gonna work with these people to make it like releasable, I guess. And the only reason they're doing that is that thing. This this thing is making runaway Boku bucks. I I really wish like, and it's not having about... the production values to back that up. By the way, people talk about Steve Jobs and like, what would it be like if he was still here? And would they release more stuff and whatever? Like Apple's going down the tubes. I'm really curious because Jobs loved his drugs. Uh, Does he love his pot, though? I mean, he's very anti-pornography, and pornography can be related to drugs. Yeah, well, he was anti-porn, but he was totally into LSD and stuff, and um, and and pot. So I'm, I really wish that we could sort of see if he would, he would have a problem with this game if he would, uh, you know, censor the app store based on drug references, since he was so into that stuff. I have a feeling like he'd do actually what Apple is doing now. Yeah, no, he probably it's making, would. It's making so much money, but it would like twist the knife in his own heart because he would feel like he's like he was a, not not just liking it, like he would advocate, like you should do this stuff; it makes you better. And I don't think eyes. that his, anything could be twisted yeah. into his heart. By the way, uh, that's probably true. All right, uh, anyway, whatever size it ended up being, it uh, it is game over for us this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Feel free to head over to our game, our uh, Chatterbox Video Game Radio Facebook page, and we'll be back next week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.